Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 410. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at A Quiet Place Part 2. Also, be going over something we're watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters and on VOD and Blu ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Now, we can go ahead and jump right into our review, but before we get into our review, maybe like the just like the preamble here to our review, I wanted to ask you, Kevin, because this is your triumphant return to the movies. I went right. I went back for the first time to see Spiral, and it was it was a hell of an experience for me. So I wanted to before we get into the nitty gritty here, I just wanted to get your experience back in the theater. Uh, it was a little, it, it was a touch anticlimactic, I gotta say. Uh, it was a good feeling at first. And of course, one all out with, you know, pretzel bites and an icy and all that. Who? Just, yeah. It was, it was expensive. And, uh, I gotta say, I, this is something that I think is gonna be, it's gonna take a little bit of time for me because it was kind of like a nervous breakdown in the beginning there. Because I'm so used to, I've gotten myself where I'm comfortable, like, if I'm going somewhere and it's in and out, you know what I mean? Like, I stop off at the hardware store, I need, I know I have to pick up two things, mask on, get in, get the two things, get out. This is, like, I don't like being in a place too long. I start getting a little It feels weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. it. It definitely feels weird, yeah. But the the nice thing about this is that there's at least a movie in front of me. So I had something to kind of like keep my mind off of it. So that was helpful. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the the theater that I go to. So when when I went back for the first time the other week, they they were doing everything. So like they gave you the popcorn. They gave you your drink. Uh, they had like the plastic shields up and everything. There were there was like a sign that said to wear masks when in like the lobbies and stuff, and it all it all felt you know pretty, pr- pretty safe, pretty cl- and everything's very clean yeah. too. Um, but this time when we went, which was just like a week later, uh, th- th- no like no masks anywhere. Uh, you got your own popcorn, which was interesting. So it was like. A, the big like popcorn thing and it was like a handle you pulled and you like dispensed your own popcorn which I don't know if that was like more or less sanitary probably the same really I don't think that th- but you, you got your own drinks too uh, so yeah it was it was like a very very different vibe uh, yeah, going into it this time yeah things are quickly getting thrown out the window <laughs> yeah I've noticed but but most of the people that were in the theater were wearing masks like voluntarily. So like there was a sign they took down the sign that said you had to wear them. And there was a sign that said that it's encouraged and the employees, I pretty sure that most of the employees were wearing masks, if not all of them. And then almost everybody in the theater, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Almost everybody. There were more people this time around than last time too. So there's the people are starting to venture out into the theaters. And I think that part of it could be due to that. Just this movie, you know, being a bigger, yeah. a bigger movie, a, a higher profile movie. So 
Well, and like we said last last week, this is this is, there is already people people are already looking forward to this movie, and this is the one that you know got cut off. Mm-hmm. It was the first that you know we're shutting it down. Let's postpone it. So that you know, like two years worth of anticipation for this movie. And this is kind of, I have a feeling this is kind of like what ushered people back in. Mm-hmm. Like finally, like go back out. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the movie. This is, uh, it's written and directed by John Krasinski. I have a synopsis here. Following the events, following the events at home, the Abbott family now face the terrors of the outside world. Forced to venture into the unknown, they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path. Now, I, I think that it's inevitable. That there's no way that we can talk about this movie without giving away what happens in the first one. So if you, if you haven't seen A Quiet Place Part 1 and don't want yeah. that spoiled, first of all, good luck. Because I think that even like the trailer for this movie would, would probably spoil what happens in A Quiet Place Part 1. But this picks up pretty much right, when the, right where the first one left off. Uh, now, I didn't rewatch the first one. I kind of wish I would have now because it made me realize, like, I kind of forgot some some things that happened in the first one. But we'll start with you, Kevin. What were your initial impressions of A Quiet Place Part 2? I got to say, I I really liked the kind of using almost like a like a prequel, like a small window of a prequel to tie in to where the the first one dropped off and where you're getting slapped back in on this one. I just thought that, that you know, like Noah Jupe's character having that kind of like traumatic flashback. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a really neat idea. I really like that. Yeah, same here. I was concerned about that, actually, because that scene we do see in the trailer... Uh, not not in its entirety, but we see a lot of that scene in the trailer. There's there's one trailer where the whole trailer is just that one scene. And yeah. so I was a little concerned because I had a feeling that that was going to be at the beginning of the movie. And it's so well shot. And the the action is so intense. And it's such a big sequence. I was like, oh, man, like, can the rest of the movie hold up to this opening? Like, I, I'm, I was concern that they were going to open on that and it was going to be like the a big moment and then the rest of the movie was going to feel like it doesn't quite live up to that and for me at least i would say that that's that's not really the case here for me i think it a little bit was but i do because one of the main things that i remember from a quiet place one is krasinski's character just being a bit much like he's just and with him you know, writing and directing and then making his character this, you know, like super dad, you know, it was, it was a bit comedic at times, especially in the first one. But I love, because the first one is, it's just him constantly, super serious dad face, finger up to his mouth, like, shush, quiet. shushing, shushing it up. <laughs> like, that's all he ever did. Just, I mean, a murder look on his face, telling everyone to shut up. And be quiet, like they don't know. But that's really all that he could. And I just love that this opening. He's he's in the movie, you know, for a little bit. Just that opening sequence, day one of invasion. 
And you're still able to get that one in there where he, in the midst of these creatures on Main Street trying to find victims, he's able to shimmy over on the floor of the inn to a guy praying, put his hand over the guy's mouth, get incredibly close to his face with his finger. Like he just instinctively knew, just shh, shut your mouth, be quiet. Shh, shut up, <laughs> shut your mouth. <laughs> I just, I was just like, oh, classic, classic quiet place. Brought, brought you right back. <laughs> brought you right back to the series. It, it sure did. And, and then that, he kept, because he's not in the movie, but he's still, he vicariously, everyone's talking. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's like, he's just the, the greatest fucking dad that's ever lived. Lee, love, <laughs> Lee's not here anymore. We gotta, we gotta take, Take care of ourselves now. Lee's not here to help us. If Lee was here, he would tell you that little girl's worth saving. Yeah. I mean, you did get to see the the infamous whiteboard. The, the, like, what's the weakness or whatever. (laughs) Which is funny, because he he got it day one. Like, five minutes into the... Yeah, he found the weakness. (laughs) It was praying. It was the power of prayer. You don't like it. Well, so, I didn't get... uh, I didn't get a good read on it. Uh, it seems like you liked this, right? Yeah, I'm just not huge on it. Like I, like, so it seems like you you kind of feel about this one the same way that you did the first one. If I remember correctly, you because we reviewed the first one on the show, and I, if I remember correctly on that one, you were kind of you you liked it but didn't love it. It was kind of in the middle for you. Yeah, I think. I think overall it was pretty positive with the first one. I find it I found the first one to be very entertaining. And the thing I'll say about both of these movies is they are brisk. Oh yeah. They're in and out. Mm-hmm. They're, it's just it's streamlined storytelling, it's entertainment, it's fun. Uh this one is just a little bit lackluster for me. Hmm. It just it, it didn't feel like there was enough. Like I didn't hate it. Well, I, I enjoyed my time, but it just it felt like there was there wasn't enough to it yeah it, it this movie feels like the second part of a trilogy and i i i'm i'd be really surprised yeah. that if yeah. they ended it here like i'm almost certain like i haven't read anything about it but i'm almost certain that there has to be a third one in the works there's just the way that this one is structured the way that it plays out there's just it feels like a chapter two of oh, yeah, of at least three here uh so i i can kind of uh, see where you're coming from where like it doesn't f- it does feel like there was the, a a bit lacking it it doesn't feel like there were there was really a beginning or an end it just feels like a middle bit and yeah um I, there were a couple things i like i i will agree with you about the the pacing and how it did it does feel very brisk i like that they sort of split it into two stories that were happening concurrently. Um, and I mm-hmm. thought that they did a really good job with the back and forth between those two stories. I liked a lot of the, how they edited it and stitched it together and how similar things were happening on both sides and how, how they were like, you know, somewhat related and, and all of that. And I think that that helps uh, make things feel like they're moving a lot quicker just because you have these two stories happening at the same time. So I, I liked that. Uh, I liked the introduction of Killian Murphy's character as Emmett. Uh, I thought that 
you know, he was, he was a cool dude. But at the same time, I was like, this guy's going to be one of these people who they, you know, he, he gets approached. He's living his life. He's safe. He has a system. You know, he's, he's staying away from the creatures. He's surviving. And then this family is going to come in and they're going to be like, we need your help. And he's going to be like, I can't help you. I can't help you. And then they're going to be like, but you have to. And then he's going to be like, all right, fine. And then he's going to get killed. Like, that's exactly what I was thinking would happen. And I'm not going to say how it plays out, but it's plays out different than what I expected, at least for now. And uh, so I was thankful for that. I thought it was either going to be that or he was going to be like corrupted and be like a bad guy. Yeah. Which is, which is one of the things that I was, I thought was kind of lackluster. And I, I, there's a, there's a feeling that I wish they just didn't do it at all. Whereas like they say that there's, you know, there's, there's more than the creatures. Well, that, yeah, of that's course, the thing. you know, in everything there's, there's always, you got to worry about the humans. Yeah. The, well, that's the thing. Churn. And it's nothing. Yeah, they make it a big deal, like in the trailers and the synopsis and all all of the 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 marketing materials for this and all that. They're like, "Oh, the creatures are not the only thing they have to worry about." And it's like, yeah, but I I mean, the what what we have here is like very surface level. (laughs) I mean, like very slight, very slight. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I definitely thought there was going to be more to that the the human element of it and maybe there will be like in part three or something because it it also felt like the introduction of that crew was they seemed organized they seem like there's some like there's something going on there like they all had the red eyes and stuff i don't know if that's supposed to mean like they were eating people but Uh, yeah it also but it it seemed like there was more to that crew than what we saw yeah and i feel like there has to be because if not it's it's even worse like if there is a part three which i i'm in full agreement with you that that i mean there has to be like you can't make two movies nowadays there's going to be nine a quiet places let's be honest yeah i don't know a quiet quiet place 14 (laughs) uh, in 2032 yeah i don't don't calling it now but (laughs) calling it now because they're going to hand it over to someone and they're just going to keep running with it. But, you know, if in a part three, they don't expound on that at all. And like, that's it for them as a whole. Like it just, it retroactively makes it worse. No, they, they have to, there's just no, you way. Have to. there's <laughs> no, there's no way that they won't expand on that, that, that aspect of it. Well, and especially considering like what you find out from there. And it's mm-hmm. like, you've been on the water the entire time and you haven't, Exactly. You haven't figured anything out? Like, nothing? Nothing's, like, piqued your interest? Like, hey, you know what? Yeah. I wonder. Maybe, maybe over there. Maybe let's try going over Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that, they're, they're definitely going to explore that more. Uh, I, like, I like that they brought the, the whole... Everybody came back from, from the first one. I liked that they were able to get everybody back in, in here. I think that they did introduce uh, some new elements. I think that it, that this movie did it, it checked a lot of the right sequel boxes. It expanded the the lore of of the Quiet Place universe. It developed the characters more. It had 
bigger moments to it than the original, not necessarily better, but bigger. And, um, it, it opened up the world more. Uh, we got to see more of the world It introduced more characters and, you know, like the synopsis says, they have to venture off their property. They have to find people. Uh, Emily Blunt's great in this. I think everybody does a really great job. Uh, Maleficent or Maleficent Millicent Simmons is, uh, quite good i think that they give her a lot more to work with this this time around yeah, um, yeah. and sh- she's great in it uh, everybody, everybody is really so overall i i enjoyed it as well i didn't love it i don't think it's like the best horror movie ever made or anything like that but for me yeah. it's pretty much on the same level as the first one yeah i just think the first one's you know, vastly superior because this feels like a bit of a rehash. Because even though you said like we it opened up a little bit more, we have a little bit more development. Like to me, the time invested with what new information is gleaned from this is not a whole lot. Correct. Like it- we learn like one new thing about them, the creatures, and we don't really like. Maybe we, you know, there's other people, but like that's still up in the air. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's an hour and a half to get like one step forward. It just seems like we didn't really traverse a whole lot of ground with the time that, uh, yeah, that we spent I, I, here. I, I think that the, the weight of what happened in this, in this one will. Well, we won't really know for sure until the third. Yeah. Week, which, yeah. Again, like that, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing or what, but, and if they don't make a third one, then this movie is very yeah. bad. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what I think is it, it, it's kind of odd is that you're kind of thrust into that situation where, like, your, your critique of this movie is kind of stuck in suspension because you're waiting to see what they do with the third one, which is, that's the problem with like kind of, you know, modern filmmaking now is everything's kind of broken into trilogies. So you're kind of like, well, I got to hold off on it and see, like the movie should just be able to stand alone. Like this right. should be a solid second film. It shouldn't have, you shouldn't have to, you know, your thoughts on it shouldn't have to be weighted against the third one to see what they do development wise. Just give me a little more development in the second one. Yeah, I, as as it is, I don't think that this movie can stand on its own as like a standalone sequel. Like, I think that it really needs that third entry to make it feel complete. Yeah, and if and if that third entry doesn't exist, then I think that this movie just does end up feeling a bit lackluster. Yeah, because I think at that at that point, I hundred percent agree with you. Like if, like a year or so, you know, maybe three years tops from now, we don't get a Quiet Place Part Three. It's just going to be like one of those things where you're just like, oh man, you remember they made a sequel to a Quiet Place? Whatever happened to that? Like why yeah. they why did they just stop? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm I'm almost certain that the th- uh, that a third one is. Yeah, you got it. you have to. I will say this something that I enjoy with the creatures I got to see a little bit more of between the the origin you know invasion day and then what happens 
towards the end. Uh, but it's also something that irks me a little bit with this this franchise or this world is I love how quick they are and how they just slap they just slap people around. Yeah, and it's just it, they just a swipe. You're smacked up against the wall. You're just you're flung like a hundred feet. Like it's just I don't know why, but there's something about it when they're just running around smacking people left and right. I'm just like, God damn, these guys. They're pretty incredible. Yeah, I like, I like the creatures. The thing that irks me a little bit is that anytime the main characters have to deal with them, they're like they're slow and. Yeah. They're pensive. You know, yeah. they're like, oh, let me just my situations. You have long ass arms. Just flail them shits. It doesn't even matter if just you get wildly swing. Like even if you even if you think that there's a chance that there's a living creature in your vicinity, you just swing. <laughs> well, that's the thing that gets me with like the feedback thing. Like their quote unquote weakness. Like you know, you got your amphitheater speaker thing going on with your face. You would think that you're just flailing your arms around. It's like in a defensive mode. And I guess it just did. It's like just paralyzing to them. Like it just completely it, yeah. paralyzes them. It might be. But I also, you know, they're just, they come out of nowhere and they just slice you in half. Like the yeah. first sound that they hear. But everyone else, it's like, mm, let me come out, roar a little bit, and then kind of tiptoe around you. Yeah. When we, when we got out of the theater, my wife brought up a good point. She was like, well, what's the motivation of these things? Like, are they eating the people? Because it, it, we never see them eat people. We see yeah. them, like you said, swat <laughs> them and kill them. Like, are they just here to murder humans? Like, is that yeah. is that the point, or like, or what? I just like I love that idea. Is that they're like some sort of like they're like predator? There's some sort of like demented space Dikembe Mutombos that come in and just swat the shit out of humans. <laughs> That's it. They just they run around and they're just like denied, denied. And they do a little <laughs> finger wave. That shit is awesome. But you're right. Like what? And what are they doing outside of not swatting humans? Exactly. Like it just seems like they're they hunting living? humans. Are they, are they just sleeping? Are they like what? What? Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot that 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 we can learn from these creatures. I th- I think that in a Quiet Place Part 3, there's a whole lot that they have to give us. It, and see, that's the thing with with Part 2, going into a Part 3, where, like, Part 2, again, it feels like all you did was reiterate that they're, they just, they, they have heightened a sense of hearing, which I got that in Part 1. Well, you learn one uh, other thing at the end. Yeah, but one other thing. Yeah. Where it's like, okay. Not, but that, now yeah, I was, definitely not enough. Some more. Like, I feel like over time you could have come up with some more information. Yeah, and it would have probably been easy too. Like, you know, when, when they're traveling, like from their home to Killian Murphy's place that he's hanging out in, like, just have them like stumble onto a nest of them or something. Yeah. You know? Something. And just, just have them learn something new. Like, holy shit. Like, these things, they lay, they lay eggs. Like, yeah. that's. Yeah. something yeah you know? they lay eggs like or what do they eat what you know are they are they social creatures do they run in packs or are they just every creature for themselves just swat as many humans as possible like is this just a huge game 
to them. They just get dropped off, and it's just they have a little counter on their whatever the wrist equivalent is of how many humans they've swatted, and then they get back together at the end, and they tally them up, and there's a winner. You know, what, what is it? What, what is it that they're doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, definitely, uh, d- definitely questions. We have a lot of questions that I think a lot of que- <laughs> I think need answered here. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and give uh, this a score. Kevin, what are you going to give a Quiet Place Part Two? I give it like a, a five, five and a half. Okay, uh, I'm at like a uh, six and a half. See, that's that's mm-hmm. kind of, six, that's kind of six, six and a half for me. That's kind of where I was too until we, you know, we, me and you started falling back. I was at a seven. Yeah, to be clear, I was at a seven. Yeah. But when we when we first started talking yeah. about it, and then I'm just like, you know what? Your wife makes a really good point. Yeah. Like, what? There's, there's <laughs> some there's some issues. There's there's some other like really convenient plot points in this too, like the uh, like holding the holding the no, that's not that wouldn't be a spoiler. Holding the thing in his mouth, for instance, like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's plenty of things like that where you're just like, come on, come on, guy. Somebody in my audience was laughing when that scene happened. It's just, yeah. Anyway, I think it's still, I think it's still worth a look. I still think it's, you know, if you're, if, if you've been vaccinated, I think that it's worth going to the theater and checking it out because obviously with a movie like this, that's all predicated on sound. It's, a really good big screen experience so i would say uh it, it is worth seeing on the big screen yeah and especially if you if you enjoyed the first one because this is it's kind of a rehash yeah it's, like in my eyes it's kind of just like a walkthrough again with like a little bit of extra material in there yeah and you don't have any you don't have john krasinski just fucking in everyone's face super intense with a finger over his mouth saying, with his eyes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut, shut it. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Be that quiet. True. Well, there you have it. A Quiet Place Part 2 is in theaters right now. Let's talk about someone we've been watching. I believe it's my turn this week. Uh, I saw Men and Chicken. There you so, go. So, last week when we talked about... Uh, uh, fuck, what was the Rider, rider, uh, is that, Riders of Justice? Is that, it's funny that you. It's funny that you say that because a couple of days ago, I was like, "What the f- did we cover last week?" Yeah, and it, it took me. It took me a, a while. <laughs> yep. So after Riders of Justice, d- during that review last week, we we were talking about the other uh, films directed by Anders Thomas Jensen, and we both neither of us have seen anything that he's done before. We were talking about Men and Chicken and how. We had both. We both wanted to see that, and um, let's see. Uh, Bossquat seventy six left a comment on the YouTube version of the uh, episode and said, uh, "Men and Chicken is a super dark comedy. Like you really have to be into dark comedies to get that one." And I, I read that comment and I was like, "All right, I, I wanted to see this before, but now Bossquat seventy six confirmed my." suspicions about that one that it was going to be a very dark comedy so i just had to see it and um thank you for commenting by the way he um 
So this is a very dark comedy. He's not he's not incorrect. It is extremely dark and pretty fucked up. Like once once it gets going, it's it's a really really messed up. Um what it's about is it's about these two brothers who discover that on their father's deathbed, he leaves them a, a video will of sorts and says that he's not their real father and they go off to discover who their real father is. And it turns out that they also have several other brothers and this family of theirs lives in an abandoned sanitarium on this Island that only has like 44 people living on it. And they just try to figure out like what, what the hell's happening here on this Island with these weird people. And it's, it's sort of it's there's definitely some absurdist comedy in there but again I'll just reiterate that it is it's very dark there's some seriously disturbing not seriously disturbing but there's some disturbing things that that are happening here uh I enjoyed it quite a bit if you want to see Mads Mikkelsen in a role that you definitely never have never seen him in before I would say check it out if you liked Riders of Justice this has pretty much everybody from Riders of Justice in it. So that's definitely worth a look. And uh, Kevin, I think that you will be into this one. There's a lot of really quirky, weird yeah. humor in All it. Right. <clears throat> so, I th- And it's available on Tubi. Tubi. So you can check it's, it out for free on Tubi. It's funny because my mom was over yesterday and she brought up Tubi. Did like she? Always. Nice. She yes. sure did. <laughs> I'm dead. Tubi, if you're listening, please hire my mom. Do you good commercials? Like your number Brand one ambassador. fan. For some, for some reason. Just huge fan of you, of you guys. I forget the other thing that she brought up, but she could. She has an issue of like not calling things by the right name. <laughs> but I can't remember what it was. But my favorite still to this day is Chuck E. Cheese. She calls Chunky Cheese. Chunky. <laughs> uh, so, uh, hey, segue. Mads Mikkelsen was in a movie called Arctic from 2018, directed by Joe Penna. I saw that movie. Not that good. Joe Penna's newest movie, Stowaway, available on Netflix this year. I uh, saw that. Uh, marginally better. It's It's okay. This has Anna Kendrick, Daniel Day Kim, Shamir Anderson, Tony Collette. This is it's a space movie. They're on a trip to Mars. And guess what? There's a stowaway on board. Uh, one of the first things is that you have to like kind of scrub out of your mind or just kind of push it as far back as possible is how the fuck did the stowaway get on board? Wasn't it? Because it makes no sense. I, I saw the trailer for this. I haven't seen this movie, but wasn't it like he was working on it or something and like okay. bonked so his head or something? Real quick. If you're interested in Stowaway, stop listening because I'm going to spoil it. Even though it's not really a spoiler. You know that they, they find a Stowaway. But essentially, Tony Collette, who's the pilot, and this is the thing that gets me, is like they, they attach to like a space station and then they they tether out and kind of like hurdle themselves through space so they're at the very end of the tether is the rocket and then like the space station and it seems like he was on the space station 
which doesn't really make sense because he's talking about the launch and he was working on. But anyways, she walks into a room and there's blood on the floor. And she's like, what? What the hell? We just got to space. Why is there blood here? Here there's a panel above her, sealed, a sealed panel. And there's blood at the corner. So she unscrews the little screws and he drops out of there. Now this panel has like just enough room for him to fit in there, but like completely crushed into all the components. And of course the component that he's crushed into is the device that scrubs the CO2 from the, this, from the, from the aircraft or the spacecraft. So that's the issue is he damages that being crushed in there. So who the fuck put the cover of the panel on that's just big enough for him to fit inside? Like, how are you not like, oh, well, there's a guy here, but let me just zip, zip, zip. I'll just seal <laughs> wait, him in there. Wait, it's never like, addressed? <laughs> no, it's never addressed. <laughs> Makes no sense whatsoever. Because as soon as she like unscrews it, he falls on her, breaks her arm. So, of course, they have to handle that. He has damage. So, he, like, they're like, man, I, I, who could believe that he even fucking lived? And, of course, he ruined the component or whoever sealed him in there for God knows what reason. So, essentially, what the problem is is they don't have enough oxygen for four people. So, it comes down to they have enough oxygen for three people. And they have to, essentially... They're like, hey, you weren't supposed to be here to begin with, so you're dead, all right? We're going to Mars. This is a two-year trip. Sorry, you have to die. So they try and figure out a way, you know, and then, of course, it turns into a thing where it's like, we only have enough oxygen for two people, so two of us have to die. And then there's this whole mission that they have to climb the tethers to get more oxygen, bring it back. And, I mean, overall... Like I said, it's one of those things that you just have to push back in your mind because, like, the way they set it up is, like, if you're in that situation, it's like, well, how the fuck did he get in there? It's, you know, who cares? He's here now. We have to figure this out. So, to a certain extent, I get that. But at the same time, it's like, this just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's relatively captivating enough. Like, it held my interest enough throughout. It's nothing special. It's nothing. It's not going to wow you. Uh, with it being two hours long, it takes a while to get to like the half, you know, the one hour mark. But then that last hour went by pretty quick. You know, I thought it was it was pretty engaging from then on out. But I I don't know if I'm really gonna remember it. Outside of like, I have a feeling that occasionally throughout my life, I'm just gonna be like, well, how the fuck did he get up there though? <laughs> uh, interesting. All right. Uh, okay, well, I saw a Netflix one, too, uh, and that was Stowaway, by the way. I saw Bo Burnham's new special, Inside, which is on uh, dropped on Netflix this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good. I mean, I guess you kind of already have to like Bo Burnham to really enjoy this, because it's a lot of Bo Burnham. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, the premise here is that he, during the uh, the pandemic, he wrote and produced and shot and edited and did everything for a new special from the from just one room so like he basically isolated himself in one room for over a year and made 
did this special from start to finish and he did everything on his own. So he wrote everything, did, did all the performances, did all the music, did everything, editing, all of that on his own. And, um, it's really good. Like if you, if you like Bo Burnham, uh, this is like top level Bo Burnham stuff. There's like a lot of his content there. There's a lot of layers to it. It's a really kind of self-reflective. It seems often very tortured. It is really, it's funny. Um, it's really well made. Uh, so really impressive. If you, even if you're not like super familiar with Bo Burnham's work, I would say that this is worth worth a look. It's a little bit experimental. It's not like your typical comedy special. That's that's why I'm even mentioning it and why I logged it on Letterboxd. Like I don't log comedy specials on Letterboxd, especially like stand-up comedy specials, but this is definitely different than that. It's mostly music, but he has like he he has like all these different lights and like props and stuff that he uses. And uh yeah, it's it's quite good. So, I highly recommend Bo Burnham Inside it looks like a lot of people are loving this on letterbox just i'm looking at it here for the first time yeah i just looked up this is one of those things that i still i, I don't get i just don't understand you it. don't like bo burnham uh insufferable absolutely full-on hate i tried watching like one of the first things that was like everyone was losing their minds about i can't remember what it is and i was like oh i'll give this a shot I think I made it like five minutes. I just, ooh, I can't do it. Hmm. It's just something about him. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, give this one a look and see if you can nope. make it five minutes through this one. Not gonna. Okay. I like myself too much. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you like your Bo Burnham. I'm happy for you. Yeah. I mean, he's not like my favorite comedian or anything, but I think he's like a. I think he's a genius. I think that he is like so incredibly talented and uh, like, I think his, his stuff's on a, on another level. Okay. A lot of contradictions in there. <laughs> Cause you thought he's not your favorite that you immediately hit him with that genius. Well, like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I don't like the thing about a lot of Bo Burnham stuff <laughs> is that I'm not like laughing. I'm not knee slapping. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, I walk away from a Bo Burnham special and I'm thinking like I'm, I'm, a, I'm thinking like, yeah. man, right. that was like uh, that was like surprisingly deep. So okay. it's, you know, I, I don't think he's the funniest dude ever, but yeah, uh, I think that his stuff is always thought provoking. Okay. I got you. I got you now. I was thinking more. I was thinking surface level stuff. Yeah. 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 That's my fault. That's all me. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the only other thing I watched uh, is Robert Altman, 1974, California Split. This is a the buddy comedy with George Siegel and Elliot Gould. These guys, they they're really into gambling. They just fucking love to gamble, and they meet at a like a poker house. These old school. They have all these tables set up. And you just go in, and you play some poker. And they explained to you at the beginning, you know, how it was in the 70s in these poker houses. And they like, anyone could just come and play some poker. Uh, and 
these two kind of, you know, they become friends when it, during a day there, and they kind of get, they're kind of like feeding off of each other, right? Where Elliot Gould is like, he, that's all he does. He's just like, he's game, he's at the horse tracks, he, he's doing everything. He's just always looking for bets. He's just like, they go to a, a, a boxing match, he's betting with everyone in the stands on the actual match itself and then a fight breaks out in the stands he's betting on that he wants some action like he's just always looking for some action to make some money and george siegel kind of gets pulled into it where he's kind of like you know he just likes to play poker now and then you know he likes to do a little bit of gambling but he kind of gets sucked into this because he's just like it's it's exciting to him so um of course it's it plays out you know very like a like a freewheeling naturalism where it's the seventies, you have these two guys. It's a buddy comedy. So one of the issues that you have that just didn't work for me, and I think it just might have been the headspace that I was in. Um is like these guys are always on. Like they're just always on. They're always doing bits and like they're always arguing, bickering, yelling. Like there's just so much going on in the seventies in American films where like every scene is just jam packed with acting. And I just it was too much. I just couldn't I couldn't do it. These guys are just I they're annoying. I don't like them. And I didn't like spending time with them. I I just like it's a it's an okay movie. Like, nothing to write home about. Like, if you like these guys and what they're doing, like, if you're on their, if you tap into their wavelength, you will love it. And I feel like there's a part of me that, like, in a certain situation, if I tap into it, I would have loved this movie. It just didn't work out the day that I watched it. Um. Okay. I didn't, I maybe I forgot or didn't know that George Siegel just died to, yes, to, just yeah. in March. Yeah, no. This is this is available on the Criterion Channel, and they have like a little a little program of movies that he starred in. Do they have Roller Coaster from 1977? Oh, I don't know. I have to look because it up. I'm just now looking at Roller Coaster, and holy cow! I want to see this. The plot is about a guile young terrorist who is able to blackmail a series of companies by placing homemade radio-controlled bombs within the central attraction of amusement parks. Roller Wait, coasters. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. That sounds incredible. Why is yeah. that not on a criterion? All right. Well, I got to add this to my watch Holy list. shit. No, the only thing they have, they have California Split, Hot Rock, and King Rat are the three movies that they have. But this movie from 1977, Roller Coaster, it sounds incredible. Watch out for the man watching the roller coaster. Yeah. The tag, that's the tagline. Uh, yeah, I got to see this. I gotta, I gotta find me a copy of this. Doesn't look Watch like it's this. click. Doesn't look like it's uh, easily available here. I bet you too bad. Yeah, Ken watched it. I will have to ask Ken how he got it. If he has a copy, got the hookup. he's got it on DVD. Probably. Damn. Hmm. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We have The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. We have mm-hmm. that's going to be on HBO as well. So I'll be taking a look at that one. Pretty. pretty. I don't know if I'm excited for it. It looks good. 
the this doesn't look bad i gotta say yeah the, the trailers the trailers look make it look good and i just really like those two characters like i i think that the whole the ed and lorraine duo i think is really good i like the the chemistry between patrick wilson and vera farmiga so i'm all i'm all for a new movie with the two of them uh we also have vivo that's a is that a sony i think I think that might be a Sony Sony animated one. Oh yeah. We have uh The Real Thing. We got My Tender Matador. We got The Carnivores. That's a movie that we covered on this show felt like 12 years ago. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was a long time ago. <laughs> uh All Light Everywhere, Grace and Grit, Death in Texas, Hero Mode. The theaters are in full swing. Watch out. On VOD this week, we've got Deadly Illusions. This is an erotic thriller, something we haven't mm-hmm. seen too much of recently. We got Dementia Part 2. This is an interesting one. Do you remember there was a, the, the first Dementia that came out a uh, long time ago, several years ago? And it was this like kind of slow burn psychological thriller almost. It was kind of interesting and it was really like the first movie that I saw that sort of dealt with dementia as a horror movie. So it like used horror elements as a metaphor for like what one might go through when dealing with dementia or have a family member who deals with dementia. So it was kind of a, it was kind of interesting. I was a little middle of the road on it, but the sequel dementia part two looks like it's a complete 180. Like they completely changed the the tone of it, and it looks like it's this sort of dark comedy that's like really heavy on gore, which the original one was not at all. Yeah. So okay. yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about Dementia Part Two. <laughs> Maybe I'll give it a look. I don't know. I, I watched the trailer and it didn't look like it was going to be one that I'd be too into, but. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we have spare parts coming out. This is uh, uh, a, a what is this a horror movie? What is this? It's about a it? uh, an all girl band, and it looks like uh, yeah, it's about an all girl band who they are like playing a show and they get trapped by some psycho or something. Uh, we have Digging to Death. A man buys a fixer-upper house to restore his, and he's and as he's digging a hole for a new septic tank, he discovers a large box filled with $3 million in cash and a dead body. Nice. Mm, quite the conundrum there. We have A Space in Time coming out. The story of a family seeking tr- to transcend disability. Okay. Got mm-hmm. port, port Authority coming out. I was uh, slightly interested in... This one. This oh, is about a. What'd you say? Is it, this is the one from like a couple of years back, right? Is it? I think so. Yeah. I never saw I it. I mean, well, I remember it. I what I mean by a couple of years back, I think it was like festivals. Played festivals. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it could be. Could be. I mean, it's about a dude from Central Pennsylvania who runs away, moves to New York City. And ends up falling in with like the um, uh, I don't know if it's like the like a like a Vogue type crowd, like a ballroom type crowd, or like what what the deal is. But anyway, it looks good. 
Uh, let's see. We have City of Ali. That's going to be a virtual theatrical release. This is on the 3rd. Also on the 3rd, we have Caveat, which is going to be on Shudder. That's their uh, movie of the week. Looks very odd. So this is about a lone drifter who accepts a job to look after his landlord's niece for a few days in an isolated house on a remote island. It seems like easy money, but there's a catch. He must wear a leather harness and chain that restricts his movements to certain rooms. Mm, Okay. Yeah, so I'm slightly interested in that one. On the fourth, we have Edge of the World, Got Chasing Wonders, My Tender Matador, We All Think We're Special. I like the title of this, and this this one looks like a, could could be interesting. It's a haunting drama. A night of reckless driving compels a car mechanic to forcibly detox his best friend, whatever the cost. Ooh. We have Undyne, got Under the Stadium Lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about it for VOD on Blu-ray this week. We got the Stepford Wives coming out. That's the 2004 version. Mommy Dearest from 1981. Rat Race from 2001. Man, I, I forgot all about that movie. Rat Race. Man. Yep. Rat Race. That's right. Pick it up. 4K. Hmm. We got uh, Smokey and the Bandit coming out in 4K. Looks like there's some kind of Tomb Raider double pack coming out here. That's going to be in 4K as well. But I'm a Cheerleader from 1999 is coming out on Blu-ray. It looks like uh, that's a director's cut. That movie was famously rated NC-17 for no real reason mm. other than it depicted a lesbian. Mm-hmm. But you can't have that. <laughs> Inappropriate. We have The Pacifier from 2005 starring Vin Diesel. In and Out from 1997 with Kevin Kline. Uh, Herbie Fully Loaded from 2005. The Kid from 2000. Uh, let's see. Backdraft is coming out in 4K. Oh, yes. I was literally just talking to my wife about Backdraft because she was she was like, oh, you, you haven't covered Backdraft on, say, by the 90s yet. And I'm like, no, I need to find a good, like, theme to, to cover it. And then I was like, maybe I'll just do, like, my favorite movies of the 90s because Backdraft is one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. movies of the 90s. Without a doubt. I just I love Backdraft so much. It's like probably one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> um, now right, let's see what else we have here. Switchback from 1997, Ice Princess from 2005, The Blue Lamp from 1950, Who Done It from 1956, uh, Better Luck Tomorrow from 2003. Boy, did I love Better Luck Tomorrow! What a great movie! Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. god. I should rewatch that actually. I haven't I haven't seen that since we were since probably, you know, but back when it came out. But I really loved that movie. Uh, let's see. Alpha Dog from 2006. Uh The World to Come from last year. Buster and Billy from 1974. Uh eh, that's pretty much it. What about Criterions? Zero. No criterion. Skip that first week. All right. Still a ton of other releases, so there's still yeah. plenty to watch. Without a doubt. Rat Race. Rat Race. <laughs> Rat Race, man. Oh, boy. Rat Race. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be amazing for Kevin Rickshaw. My name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.